Speaking of the days we are living, we're going to open up God's Word. And um, you're going to laugh at me, but I started to skip over Psalm 23 in our study of the Psalms. And then immediately, it was either myself or the Lord or both said, how dare you? You can't do that. So in a moment, we're going to turn to Psalm 23 and uh, take a look at, at that psalm. I, I, I tell you, I'm frustrated, and here's why. Um, in 2003, I did a series. A lot of you were here then. A bunch of you weren't. 2003, I did a series on this 23rd psalm. It's so long ago, we only have it on cassette tape. I suppose if someone wanted a set, we could get some of these guys with a studio to convert those to CDs, and we could make some copies. There are six verses, as you probably well know, of Psalm 23, and so I taught six Sundays. And it take, even my Bay County, Florida math tells me that that's one verse for every Sunday. And uh, so I did six teachings to cover all six verses. Then in 2011, which is nine years ago, uh, in my Kernels of Truth series, I took six issues of the Kernels of Truth, and once again, each issue dealt with one verse. So you can see my frustration that here I am with an hour and a half or two hours to speak. Uh, (coughs) uh, Somebody said, not to me, you won't, but... uh, Whatever time frame we have, I guess I can put my timer up here so I can at least ignore it. Um, To be able to cover these six verses this morning. And then I felt like the Lord gave me a reprieve and he said, uh, how about just doing three today and three next week? That's That's still a challenge, but it made it more doable. Now, when I did the series in 2003 and when I did, when I did the kernels of truth in 2011, I used as my resource a book entitled, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Did I have a picture of that cover, William? Yeah, well, I don't know if you can see it or not. Well, maybe you can. I think at the top it said, what does it say? Over a million copies sold? Anyway, still in print, it's the point. A lot of the material that you're here today and next Sunday, and some of the quotes will come from that book. So I want to give Philip Keller, who is now residing in heaven, the credit due. He died in 1997 at the age of 77. But he himself was a shepherd. He earned a living. He wasn't always a shepherd, but he earned his living for eight years in Africa as a shepherd. So he writes from the standpoint of someone who knows sheep and shepherding from a firsthand, from firsthand knowledge. And so you might do well to get you a copy of that book uh, and, and read it. It's a very easy read, and it's very informative. Uh, his, the, the depth of his book is why I could take one Sunday and do one verse of teaching. But we're not going to try to do that today. We're going to try to be a little more uh, brief. But as we'll see when we read in just a moment, the, the primary subject matter that we're talking about Today is stated in the very, in the first five words of this psalm. So if you haven't turned already, if you would do so, and if you would, uh, 
stand with me while we read the scriptures. And if I would put my, bad when you got to put glasses on to read a giant print Bible. But I'm going to do it anyway. By the way, um, often this psalm is reserved for reading at funerals. And certainly nothing wrong with that. But I would encourage us to not limit it to that. There's a wealth of, of material here for us. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can be seated. We just read that the goodness of God is running after me. David said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And, of course, next Sunday we will deal with the last three verses. As I said, the first five words of this psalm give us the content of the psalm, give us the topic and the subject matter. In the days that we live in, listen, saints, in the days that we live in, in the hour that we live, when all of the issues that are on the front page of the news, the news, I don't look at newspapers, I don't, I don't watch the news, but I do look at on, uh, news sites online, on, mostly on my iPad. That's enough to make you want to go find a hole to crawl in sometimes. When I watch, opened up my iPad this morning, opened up a news site, and the first thing I saw was last night we had rioting and killing and looting. We even had a situation where some folks were together and one of their own killed some of their own by accident during one of their, their whatever you, you label it, what you care. And you can eat, when you see that, listen, when you see that, you can have one of two responses. You can either say those miscreants got what they deserved, those bunch of rabble rouser thugs, you can go, you know, you carry on, you, you, or you can say the problem that I see in that picture is that they do not know the Lord is their shepherd. They do not have the Lord as their shepherd. Not because the Lord is running from them, because we know the Lord is running to them, but because for whatever reason, they have not found the peace and the hope that you have and I have because the Lord is my shepherd. It's almost as if David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And just for a moment, you can be an only child. Just for a moment, you can think in terms of the Lord God who created the universe, who made heaven and earth. The Lord God is your shepherd. Now, we know he's all of our shepherds. But for right now, be an only child. He's your shepherd. What would you do? How would you go through life without God as your shepherd? And the people you see in the news, many of them are doing that. 
And you can either get mad at them or you can say bad things about them or you can say, Lord, bring them into your kingdom. Lord, save them. Give them hope and peace. Let me tell you, if people have internal hope and people have internal peace, they're not out in the streets destroying things and killing people. You know, I say that because when I said to you like this with my finger point, I had three point back at me. This is not, this is not, I got it all together and you need to figure out how to do it too. This is, we all need to have the right response. The, uh, Keller teaches that the lot in life of a particular sheep is dependent upon the type of man or shepherd who owns it. Each sheep in each flock, or whatever they call them, uh, is dependent upon the shepherd who owns that sheep. Think about who owns you. Think about who is your shepherd. Now, please don't just think of this in ethereal terms. Don't just say, oh, that's nice. God is my shepherd. No, God is your shepherd. And he's active in your life. He's not just a, a, a figurehead. I belong to him. And you belong to him because he deliberately and sovereignly chose us. And he chose us to create us as the object of his own mercy and his own grace. Because of that, you belong to him. Jesus said, I quoted this last week, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. God sovereignly chose us and made us the object of his mercy and his grace. In the Garden of Eden, we became the object of his wrath. But that's another story that we'll get to in a moment. I belong to him because he bought me again. That's what, that's the, the moment. He bought me again. He bought me back. And he paid an incredible price. Jesus did. We just talked about it during communion of his own life and his own blood. He paid the price. We sing a song. He sought me and he bought me. Aren't you glad? I'd like you to be more glad than that. Those at home are out doing it. I can hear them. He sought me and he bought me. And because of that, the Lord is my shepherd. When you see people who are hopeless, thank God that you, the Lord is your shepherd. When you see people who have no peace, thank the, thank God that the Lord God is your shepherd. He's the shepherd of your soul. He's the shepherd of your life. And David says, because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. Some of your versions there will say lack. Some I shall not lack. And it's really more than just the absence of lack, but it's being cared for. It's being contented. The word is contentment. Paul, Paul writes in his letter that con, uh, contentment is gain. To, to be content is to gain. It, it's not just the absence of lack, but contentment in the good shepherd's care. We're in the hands of our good shepherd. One of the fallacies that we have today that we just have a breakdown. Yes, we're going to keep going. One of the fallacies of today in some circles, and we have to be careful of this, is the assertion that if one is prospering materially, that means there's a significant mark 
of the blessing of God on their lives. There is a fallacy that says, if you look at your checkbook and the larger the number, the more God loves you or the more blessing God has put on you. Now, let me just tell you something. When God blesses you financially, that's a blessing. But don't mistake that someone is more righteous or more blessed because of the the size of their material blessing. Matter of fact, Jesus in Revelation 3 is he's writing letters to the churches and he writes one to the church of Laodicea. He says these words to that church. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. How many times today do we find people who think they have it all together? My wife and I are watching a show. I think we can recommend it. If not, uh, sue me. <laughs> it's called Poldark. Maybe you watched the series Poldark. There's one. I see that hand. Okay, we need to get two, three. Okay, we need to get some more people saved. Anyway, no. But there's one scene in this show where a young man is having church, and he's trying to get his sister to save her soul, and and sh- and she says to him, I appreciate what you're doing, but I've got all I need in myself. And you hate it because she's one of the main characters in the show and you want to like her. But she said, I got all I need in myself. How many times, even Christians, how many times do we as Christians get to that place? I, 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 I call you if I need you, Lord. Well, yeah, I call you if I need you. I need thee every hour. I need, I need him all the time. And Jesus is saying to the church of Laodicea, because you think you have everything and because you don't need a thing, I'm telling you that you're wretched and you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked and you don't even know it. Be content. I must be able and you must be able to say that we are completely satisfied with God's management of our lives. We have to be able to be content to say whatever he does with me and however he, go, he leads me and whatever he performs in my life, I've got to be able to say that I am content with that. I shall not want. I shall not lack. And we ask ourselves the question. Well, actually, let's go back to Philippians 4. Paul says these words. I have learned to be content in whatever, everybody say whatever. Those of you at home, say whatever. Okay, I heard you. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. Can we do that? Can we Americans do that? Can we in the Western world claim that we can learn how to, to live with humble means and also to live in prosperity? 
Can we be content in whatever the circumstance of whatever the station of our life? Can we be content? The question is, am I content with God's provision of grace to me? Do I constantly seek satisfaction from external sources? Oh, don't answer that. Because we all, at times, seek satisfaction, fulfillment from external sources. If I could just buy that one thing, if I could just buy that two things, if I could just get one more, if I could get her and if I could get him, they could, all, all of those things, we think that it will give us fulfillment and satisfaction. And the worst thing to watch is someone who thinks that and they continue, they get, get stuff and they get things and they get people and then they're not happy and they get more stuff and more things and more people and then they're not fulfilled and they get more and it's never ending. Can I tell you that the lust of the flesh, listen, the lust of your flesh can, everybody say never, never be satisfied. You can never do enough to satisfy the lust of your flesh. It just can't happen. So we proclaim the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I shall not want. I shall be contented. I shall not lack. Aren't you glad you have a shepherd that you can be content with and content in? Again, this is not in theory. This is in everyday life. If you're not having a connecting, vocal, vibrant conversation and relationship with God, then you need to start. Yes, amen. He's real. He's the real God. He's available. He talks to us through His Holy Spirit and in the still small voice. He, He reveals Himself to us and we can walk with Him and talk with Him. And if we're not, we're missing out because He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me to, he brings me to green pastures. There is, saints, there is available to us an ongoing, fresh, and renewing relationship with God. Relationship with God should never grow stale. The reason your relationship with God grows stale is because you stop communicating with Him. You stop praying. You stop praising. It's interesting when he says there in that verse that he makes me lie down in green pastures, the word there, and some of your margins will say this, it's really tender grass or new grass. Now, that's a good style of music, too, new grass music, but that's another topic. New grass. Keller points out that the shepherd will take his sheep and lead them to a place where there's new grass that they can lay down in. Now listen carefully as I tell you this. Um, If I'm still clamoring and craving, listen, if I'm still clamoring and craving, I will not be able to lie down. I'll not be able, because I think, I think to myself, if I lay down, I won't get what I want. If I lay down, I won't get what I'm, what I'm asking for. I gotta keep clamoring. I gotta keep craving. And he says he, he causes us to lay down in new grass. Keller says in his book that there are four, four requirements uh, for a sheep to be able to lie down. 
Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to deal with two. And the first one is that, that uh, we must have freedom from fear. To be able to lie down calmly, we must have freedom from fear. I'll deal with this more next week. But saints, we cannot, so everybody say cannot, we cannot be governed by fear. We cannot be led by fear. We cannot be dictated to by fear. We need to listen to, I think it's Jackie Velasquez in her song, She Breaks Up With Fear. We need to have a breakup. It's called the breakup song, by the way. We need to have a breakup with fear, some of us, because we let fear dictate what we do, what we don't do, where we go, where we don't go. You know what mostly causes fear in us? And that is the unknown, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the unexpected. It produces in society the greatest pain. What we don't know. And then, you know, I don't want to get political. It's not political at all. But one of the things that we know about COVID-19 is that we don't know hardly anything. And one thing we know about this virus is that what we knew three months ago doesn't compare to what we know now. It's one of the most unknown things that, I mean, just this week, the CDC said, just two days ago, the CDC said, You no longer have to quarantine for 14 days. You can now quarantine for 10 days. And once you are virus or symptom-free for 24 hours, you are no longer contagious. I didn't say that. The Republican Party didn't say that. The CDC said that. We don't know what we're doing. (laughs) The unknown is what makes us afraid. Solomon writes in Proverbs, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear. I got to be able to lie down. I don't mean physically. Obviously, I do that every night. I laid down the other night and we turned the lights out after I watched the Andy Griffith show. And I told my wife, I said, It's my favorite time of day. She said, mine too. We turn out the lights, we go to sleep. After watching the Andy Griffith show. Every night. But in in your soul, you've got to be able to lie down. If you can't lie down, then you're restless. If you're restless, you don't know what's going to come. But if you're restless, you're not relating to God as your shepherd. Please relate to God as your shepherd. The other thing he says in his book is that that the sheep must have freedom from the fear of hunger, the fear of not getting enough to eat. Now, you know, a dumb sheep, and I, you know, I'm not talking about people are dumb. Don't, don't carry that analogy. But a real sheep is dumb. I mean, if one, if real sheep, if one sheep jumps off the side of the cliff, guess what the rest of them are going to do? Follow them because they're dumb. And they think there may be food 20 feet away, but they think they're about to starve. And he said, you can't, you can't allow sheep to be in a place where they're free. They're afraid that they're going to get hungry and you provide. Ezekiel, Lord said, the Lord speaking, he said, I will, interesting what Rob said during communion, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. 
and on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Isaiah, speaking of God, said it this way. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. He will feed us like a shepherd. Now, when you see that word feed in the Hebrew, naturally we think that means he's going to grab a morsel of food and go over there and put it in the sheep's mouth or put it on the ground where the sheep can eat it, and that's part of it. But it's more than that. It really is to tend. It's to shepherd. It's really a word for shepherd. It's to it's to cause the herd to graze. My favorite definition there is that it has to do with tending and caring for one's animals, particularly by providing them with good pasture. Oh, Lord, help me. God provides us with good pasture to graze. Just like the sheep, no one's going to force you to graze. And by the way, many times God uses people to minister his shepherding. Watch this verse, Jeremiah 3. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. I said, Lord, why is it that I have had my wife and my family, why is it that we've had the fortune these many years These many years, we've had the fortune to sit under some of the finest teaching and preaching that can ever be done in the world. Why? Well, I get no answer to that except my answer is I'm grateful. That I've had people in my life and still have people in my life that can minister the shepherding of God to me through his word, through teaching, through knowledge through understanding, and that God always provides new pastures for grazing. Now listen carefully to this, through revelation. Now hear what I'm not saying. When I say we have new pastures for grazing through revelation, saints, there is no new revelation. There's only revelation that we haven't seen yet. God's not creating new revelation he is, he's the beginning and he is the end. God, people are always looking for some exciting revelation that nobody's ever heard of before. And sometimes that happens because somebody sees something nobody else sees. But there's nothing new under the sun. God has not changed. God will not change. He may reveal more of himself to you than he did before. And that's new revelation. And if it's not backed up by this book, you disregard it. You ignore it. Having said that, I want to tell you, God has a lot to show you of himself that you've never seen. God has a lot to reveal to you that you've never heard. But if you don't relate to him as your shepherd, you'll never hear it. You'll never see it. He wants to bring you to a place that he can show you what you couldn't see. He leads me beside still waters or restful waters. Restful waters. If I and you, if we will follow his lead, we will find quiet, restful, 
clear water. We know what water is. It's refreshment. It's, it's sustaining. It's cleansing. We know all the things that water does for us. If we will follow God's lead and let him be our shepherd, he will find waters for us. He will bring us to those waters. As a matter of fact, this is interesting. In Revelation 7, it says, The lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. How will he shepherd them? He will lead them to living fountains of waters. Just like the human body cannot sustain without water, your soul cannot be sustained without living waters. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are thirsty, and I will give them living waters. He said to the woman at the well, could you give me something to drink? And she said, you want to drink out of my cup? Samaritan, Jews don't drink out of the same cup as a Samaritan. And he said, I have waters that you don't know about. If you drink the waters that I have for you, you'll never be thirsty again. And she said, how in the world can that happen? We know the story. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. What's the point? The point is you and I as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we live on living waters. When I attempt and you attempt to create our own refreshment and our own fulfillment, what we, what we find ourselves doing is we are drinking out of mud puddles. Boy, this, this is really good. This is, I got me some, st- what you have is mud puddles because you created it yourself. You say, well, this is what I need. This is what I need to keep me going. I think I'll go over here and do this. And you're drinking away. It's like the, it's like the Far Side cartoon. Man, I wish he was still writing those cartoons. They were sort of funny. So anyway, the, in the Far Side, there's cattle out grazing in the in the pasture land, and one of the cat cows stands up. Hey guys, this is grass. We've been eating grass all this time. It takes sick humor like me to appreciate the Far Side. By the way, my favorite one is the boneless chicken farm. You ever seen the boneless chicken farm far side? <laughs> it says the boneless chicken farm, and there's chickens just laying all over the place. Because <laughs> if you don't have a vertebrae, you can't get up and walk. So they're laying on anyway. I know. I know, I know I'm sick. And it's like we as Christians, we think, well, I think this is what I need. Remember last week I talked about this makes sense to me? This is what, this makes sense to me. I think I'll do this. And we're going, man, this is great. Wait a minute. This is a mud puddle. God said I can have living water. You can have living water. Not only that, you must have living water. And it comes by the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah proclaimed, the God proclaimed through Jeremiah, for my people have done two evil things. How many of you know they did more than two? They have abandoned me. That's the first evil thing. The fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Some of you have no idea what a cistern is. It's something that collects water. In some places, they still use cisterns for their drinking water. And he says, they have abandoned me. The fountain of living water. Why have they abandoned the fountain of living water? Because they've satisfied with drinking from mud puddles. Don't be satisfied with mud puddles. Living water. And they've dug for them 
selves. Cracked cisterns that will not hold water at all. In other words, go back to last Sunday. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Horses and chariots, they are cracked cisterns. God himself is the living water. What often causes us to attempt to create our own cisterns is impatience and distrust. God tells Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a child, and he's going to be your inheritance. And they get impatient, and they produce Ishmael. And Ishmael and Isaac are still at war today. Why? Because he got impatient. He couldn't let God unfold the plan. He had to help God along to unfold the plan. He says, he restores my soul. Now, one might assume that if we're walking to, with God as our shepherd, if we're in his care, that nothing, we could never get to a place that we need our soul to be restored. The only problem with that is God is not a dictator. The problem with that is God is not a God who forces you to do anything. We are not robots. He invites us to the good pasture, but he doesn't make us eat. He brings us to the living waters, and he provides the living waters, but he doesn't make us drink. And sometimes we go our own way, and I'll come back to that in a moment, but we go our own way, and we find ourselves in need of restoration. It happens every day that we live, somebody who is a follower of Jesus Christ, needs their soul restored. The word restore is just a word that means to turn back or to bring back. Every one of us, sometimes in small incremental measures, thank God when they're small, we have departed just in a minute way, and God brings us back. Sometimes it's more than minute. David, in writing his Psalms, David was acquainted with this. He was acquainted with the bitterness of feeling hopeless and and without strength in himself. How many times did David have to say to God, I have sinned? And we know about Bathsheba and that, but there's several times David's messed up. God said, uh, you know, name the, the... army, name the nation, and David disobeyed God and counted them. David writes in Psalm 42, 11, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the the guy that God says of him, he's the apple of my eye. Oh. This is the guy that God said, I'll put you on the throne and I'll make a covenant with you that for for eternity, your heir will be sitting on the throne. This is the guy. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He needs restoration. By the way, Jesus is his descendant and he's sitting on the throne. He gives us the solution. Praise God. Offer praise and gratitude to God. Now, the word cast down in that psalm is an old English shepherd's term for a sheep that gets rolled over on its back 
and it cannot get up. Now, this is like the life alert commercial. I have fallen and I can't get up. Sheep can roll over on their back and they can't get back on their feet. And they become vulnerable to predators. Not only is God watching over his sheep or that shepherd watching over his sheep, but the predators are watching too. And when a predator, a wolf or whatever, sees a a sheep that has been cast down, it's easy pickings. Can I tell you the scripture warns us that you have an adversary, you have a predator, and he's seeking whom he may devour? And when you and I give in to some lust of the flesh, and that's not just sexual, that's all kinds of things that cause us to take our attention from God. When we give in to some place of of lust of the flesh in our lives, that we are inviting the enemy of our soul. He's walking up. He said, whoa, now wait a minute. They have indulged in that. Let's see what's going on with that. And then when you indulge in that again, and the enemy, he's walking around looking to see if he can devour you. And then when you indulge in that again, he says, I believe I'll get involved in this. My phone thinks I'm done. But I'm not. He restores my soul. Reasons that we might be in need of restoration. I I will pick it up a little bit. One of the reasons that often when we are most sure of ourselves, that's when we stumble. Kind of what I read earlier. When we're we're confident we got it all together. Go, Go minister to somebody else, God. I got it. I got this. I'm cool. I'm mature. I remember when we had our church in Louisiana. We had a house church. We didn't have a building. I told somebody recently, we didn't have a church building uh, and that's because we didn't want a church building. Anyway, that's another story. And one of the guys in the church came up to me one time, and, and we were talking about some other churches that we were kind of connected with, and he said, Pastor Larry, he said, when do you think these other churches are going to get mature like we are? <laughs> and I said, I sure wish you hadn't have just said that. What makes you think we're more mature than they are? What makes you think you're mature? What makes you think I'm mature? I mean, I was, when I started that church, or it started me, I'm not sure which way it worked, I was a grand old age of 22 years old. Of course I knew it all. I knew all you could know at 22. No, I didn't even know that. When we're most sure of ourselves, we stumble and fall. Paul writes, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. When you think you got it all together, when you think you've arrived, when you think you've got enough of God that you don't need more of God, you are susceptible to fall. When you arrive at a place that you don't need the Lord to be your shepherd anymore, you're susceptible to a fall. Another reason is we're looking for a soft spot. We're looking for an easy place. We're looking for something that's just no hardship, no need for endurance, no demand for self-discipline. When y'all find that, would you let me know? No, you don't. I don't want to know. 
we think we, and, and, you know, sadly there's a gospel being preached in the church today that if you're really walking with God, you'll find that soft spot. You'll find that easy place. You'll find a place that you don't have to have self-discipline and you'll never have any trouble again. Well, I won't get off on that, but let me just tell you that if you're looking for a place of no hardship and you're looking for a place where you don't need to have endurance and you're looking for a place that has no demand for self-discipline, then you're going to fall. Are you prophesying to me? No, I'm just telling you what scriptures say. You're going to fall. Let me tell you this. God will move us to a not-so-comfortable pasture if need be. He'll move you to a place of grazing that is not comfortable. Our church in Louisiana was called Homa Covenant Church. Homa being the Homa Indians that the town was named after. Homa Covenant Church. And I had a young man who later became a pastor. This is interesting. But he wrote, he wrote a tithe check one day and I looked at it and it said Homa Convenient Church. And I laughed. I said, uh, I'm not going to say his name. I said, if there's anything walking with God is not, it's not convenient. So I got to write us another check. But anyway, <laughs> we want to deposit that one. Now, listen, <clears throat> cast down sheep are often overweight. Now, before you get all mad, I ain't talking about physical. I mean, I got one of these, too. I'm not talking about that. I mean, there's a day for that, but I said, cast sheep that are cast down, sheep that get on their back and can't move over are often overweight. All right. Get off of that. Get off of that. Okay. I will get off of that. No, I won't. Yeah, I will. I'm arguing with myself. Here's what I mean by that. As believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I, and you got to admit this is true. We consume more than we expend. Now, there's all kind of physical diets out there. And some of them work better than others, and some of them work better for you than they do the person on the other side of the room. But we all know the basic formula is if you if you burn more energy than you take in, you lose weight. Now, I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be one page long, and that's what it's going to say. But let's go into the spiritual realm as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. If you've been around any amount of time, you have consumed more than you expend. You know it's true. You know you've heard teaching and preaching and you've studied and you've fellowshiped with people and you've taken in and taken in and taken in and none of us, almost none of us, have given out more than we've taken in. So I declare you a fat sheep. You know why the Dead Sea is dead, don't you? Because waters flow into it, but nothing flows out. Thus the Dead Sea. Do you want to be a dead sheep? I don't either. So we must impart that which we receive. We must give away that which God has given us, especially by way of revelation and teaching. We must impart more than we take in. He said, He guides me in paths of righteousness 
He guides me. He transports me while governing my life. He guides me in a path that is righteousness or right standing or right relationship. He brings me to that place where I can live with him in right relationship and live with his kids in right relationship. How many of you know if you have one without the other, it's no good? And this can only happen when we have allowed God to govern our lives. When we have submitted to him as the governor, as the Lord, as the master of our life. For God to guide us down that track to righteousness, we must abandon our natural tendencies. What, are our, what does our natural tendencies look like? Isaiah tells us very clearly. He says, all of us, say all. See, that includes you, that includes me. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. When you turn to your own way, you're not going to follow paths of righteousness. And and in Psalm, two places in Psalms, it says this, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It seems right. Makes sense to me. But in the end, it's death because Jesus said, quoting Jesus, I am the way. I'm not a way. I'm not one of many ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to me except my Father which is in heaven draw him. I am the way. If we're going to be led and guided into paths of righteousness, we must recognize that he is the way. And finally, and briefly, He says in verse 3, for his name's sake. When I was in the 60s, there was a rock and roll song called, What's It All About, Alfie? Some of you remember that. What's it all about? I'll tell you what else. It's, It's all about bringing honor to the Lord's name. All of this, everything that we're talking about, these three verses, all of it is about bringing honor and glory to God's name. It's for his name's sake that we do all of this. It's for his name's sake that we walk with God as our shepherd. I've told you that when our boys were younger, I don't tell them this now, mostly. I tell them when, you, they, when they're going out somewhere, I tell them, remember what your last name is. Just remember. Now i got grandkids, I'm telling it to them. Remember what your last name is. When you go out into culture, and I don't mean just physically, but when you're engaging with people in culture, remember what your last name is. Well, I know you say your last name is this and last name is that, but I want to tell you that you carry the name of God. It is written on your heart. You carry the name of God wherever you go. Uh, I was somewhere the other day, maybe Doug and I were together, maybe at the restaurant. And this old boy, which I've been seeing around here for years, he, he walks up to me and said, You're a preacher, ain't you? And I said, Well, yeah. Didn't know what I'd done. He said, I see your picture in the newspaper all the time. Read your articles. I said, Well, that's good. I thought to myself, 
once again, boy, you sure do need to behave when you're out in public. Not just that I represent God and the name of God, but I I represent you. I never want to put you in a bad light because of something I did stupid. I pray that all my stupid stuff are done in private. (laughs) Not always the case, but pray that it's all about honoring God's name. And all of us, you don't have to be the pastor for this. All of us, when we're engaging in our culture and in our society, we need to remember what our last name is. And whatever your last name is, put God Almighty right after that. Your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And if he is my shepherd, then I want to bring honor to his name. We will continue next week with the last three verses of this psalm. Stand with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your servant David. I thank you that he is a symbol of one who was definitely not perfect. That he was definitely a man who gives us hope because he teaches us that a failure is not final. But you restored his soul and you can restore ours. Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, help us to live in this psalm. Help us to live where this psalm teaches and preaches. And bring us along and be our shepherd. And we will declare that the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, we don't lack. And we will be content. And we will walk in your goodness. We will allow you to restore our soul. We will allow you to bring us to new grass and to still waters. And in the midst of a, of a tumultuous day in our country and in our world, in the midst of that, that we could be beside still waters, restful waters, and we could rest in you, Lord God. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that you would give them an, an overabundance of peace and hope, mercy and grace and every other aspect and virtue that you offer that each one of us need. Let us continue to bring honor and glory to your name. And I pray in your name. And all God's people said, Amen.